Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. Hey, welcome to the bits for the episode titled Face Off, right? That's the title of the movie. Oh, yeah. The, the, yes. Yeah. Not yes, the movie. It is. Well, actually, the movie as well, but the, <laughs> the movie episode. and this particular episode. <laughs> welcome. I believe this week it's Emily doing the summary, correct? Yes. Sure, mm. not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I passed. But because you guys were very nice to me last week, so or two weeks ago at this point. But Emily, I'm excited to hear the fast forwardness of your voice. I think I'm good. It's always mm-hmm. a delight. I think I'm good. Okay. We'll find out. Yep. <laughs> Count me down. Three, two, one. The Doses are in town for Stars Hollow High Hockey Semifinals and are staying at the Inn. Trix is going to be staying at the Gilmore Mansion for a few days and harass the crap out of Emily. Rory has plans with Jess, but he doesn't call and Rory is salty. Lane and Dave have a plan to get rid of Young Chu and go to prom together, and Mrs. Kim has hired the band to play hymns. Trix has a man and has also taken over the Gilmore Mansion. Jess still hasn't called and Rory goes to a hockey game to find out Dean has a new girlfriend. Emily sees Trix kissing a man and blurts a secret out. Rory is fed up with Jess and leaves an angry message for Jess until he shows up with the stiller tickets. Emily apologizes to Trix and it seems like they might be okay, but they're not. Rory doesn't tell Lori- Lorelai about the concert. Yeah, that's it. Oh, wow, <laughs> oh, that was actually, perfect. Yeah, you were perfect. That was literally perfect. I was about to, because in my mind, I had like four seconds left. I was, I was about to add like the Lorelai Richard bonding moment. I was like, eh, it's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, that was Sorry. a success. Yeah, that was a success. Congratulations, I, you passed. I tested um, it out a couple of times failing, and I had to reword it, and I did not retest it after I reworded it, but I was like, yeah, sure. I gotta be yeah. honest, I don't know a single word you said because you talk so fast. But thank you. <laughs> you succeeded. So that that's what counts. Well, obviously we have a glowing success from Emily. And after that, we have references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. Okay, for references this week, I'm going to focus on three movies, and surprise, surprise, a guest star. So, up first, Hoosers. Am I pronouncing that correct, Emily? Huh? Hoosers? 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 Which is mentioned by Taylor, of all people, at the start of the episode, and it is a 1986 American sports drama It is also known as Best Shot in other places outside of America. Um, And it tells the story of a small town, Indiana, high school basketball team that enters the state championship. And it was inspired by the real life 1954 state championship when Milan High School in Indiana won. But we have an Indiana girl here present right now. Um, Have you ever watched this movie? No. No. You just know that was a remake, but you Well, yeah, it was based in Indiana. We know everything about Indiana. <laughs> um, yeah, I've never watched it. Fun fact. That's why I know so much about Twilight, because Fox right? is in Washington. <laughs> and that's why I've seen Garden State so many times. 
Actually, I've only seen it once and it was okay at best. <laughs> Anyways, some fun fact about this movie. In 2001, the Library of Congress selected Hoosiers for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry for being culture- culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. It's a basketball movie. I have nothing else to say. Anyways, the next movie is Full Metal Jacket, which is mentioned by Zach about Mrs. Kim. So, Full Metal Jacket is a 1987 war drama directed by Stanley Kubrick. It is quite famous. The storyline follows a platoon of U.S. Marines through their boot camp training, primarily focusing the first half of the film on Private Davies and Lawrence, who struggle under the abusive drill instructor, Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. God, that was a lot of words. Um, (laughs) So this man was super ruthless and harsh. And this is who Zach is comparing Mrs. Kim to. And my last movie is Love in the Afternoon, a 1957 romantic comedy starring Audrey Hepburn. who And this movie explores the relationship between a middle-aged American playboy businessman and a 20-something daughter of a private detective hired to investigate him. So it's like a 60-year-old and a 20-year-old. Ooh, the love story so, there. It's like most movies during that time period. <laughs> yeah, I basically. love Audrey Hepburn, but yes, that is that is most of her movies. Yeah. The song that Emily sings while she's taunting tricks is also from this movie, and it's also called Love in the Afternoon. But lastly, I want to focus on Ariel Keeble. So now if you grew up watching the WB and the CW in the early 2000s through the early teens, you have seen this woman plenty of times. And obviously Gilmore Girls was basically just the start of it, right? Ariel is Lindsay. And Lindsay becomes a pretty big character in the Gilmore Girls world. And this was her first big job. So she actually got this job a week after moving to L.A., Wow. Lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for her. But it's quite possible that people know her better as Lexi from Vampire Diaries, uh, Stefan's oh, best friend. Great character. Yes. Or I feel like this next character none of us will have seen, but Vanessa on 90210. Never watched it, I'm sorry. Um, but she was on it for a little bit longer. Or from John Tucker Must Die, which is an A-plus film. And if you haven't seen it, you have to stop the podcast and watch it right now. (laughs) The (laughs) entire time, the entire time we were recording the episode discussion, I was thinking, man, she'd probably make a great movie called Dean Forrester Must Die. (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. She was also in a movie called Dirty Deeds. And while she was not the main star of it, Milo Ventimiglia was... And I only mention this movie because I was 13 years old when this movie came out. And I was so in love with Jess. He hadn't been on Gilmore Girls for about a season at this point, And I missed him. So I watched this movie. And I regret it to this day. Really? It's probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Okay, then. It is American Pie-esque. Like, it is like a knockoff. It was... The whole concept was like he had 12 hours to complete all these dirty deeds and they were gross as hell. It has like 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. Yeah. It's been a really good movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. But none of it is Ariel's fault. Like, she was barely in it. She's still acting now. She was in one of the Fifty Shades of Grey's. I think the last one, Fifty Shades Freed, I didn't really 
check oh. to see. Yeah, I think she she's like a friend of Christian's mm-hmm. that What's-Her-Face gets jealous of. That sounds right. And she's also in the Harry Styles fan fiction movie, um, After We Fell. Oh my oh. gosh. Yeah. So, like, well, I just like the fact that she was in two fan fiction movies. <laughs> and she's currently on 911, which I believe has nothing to do with fan fiction and everything to do with first responders. So, yeah, that's Ariel Keeble... Keeper? Ariel Keeper. And she played Lindsay. But after that, we have a band with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. With Emily. This episode, we are doing the distillers. As you can all probably imagine why, when Jess shows up at the end of the hockey game, he got distillers tickets. I did want to ask you guys, do you ever take earbuds to concerts with you? I will be starting now because <laughs> I recently worked for an organization that talks about hearing, like hearing and hearing loss. And mm-hmm. now that I understand just how easy it is to get literal permanent hearing loss that will ruin a lot of your social life, I'm going to bring them. Yeah. So it's, I'm kind of the same. It's something that I just recently started doing. Uh, Sean and I go to a lot of concerts, so good idea for us. Not really something I think a lot of teenagers are aware of. Yeah, it's actually, we didn't mention it in the actual episode, but it's kind of kind of just it's to really have cute. done that. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, to answer your question, I've never brought ear uh, protection. Earplugs. Earplugs, yeah. yeah. But my mom brings them for IMAX movies. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. It does get really loud. Like, it's those. too loud, yeah. It's fair. Well, they even like make like nice ones now. Mm-hmm. They do. So the Distillers, again, just got concert tickets. They are an American punk rock band. They are formed in LA in 1998 by the vocalist and guitarist Brody Daly. Daly, I'm not 100% sure how to, pron- how to pronounce her last name. Oh, it's a girl. Sh- yes. Ooh. Stillers has a girl lead singer, but she co-wrote, played guitar, and provided leads vocals for pretty much all of three of their albums. Mm-hmm. They did break up in 2006, and then um, the the other guitarist, Tony Bevilacqua, went on to form another band called Spinneret. So Brody is actually Australian, so she moved to LA. She met the bassist Kim Chi. And, well, so it's Kim. It might be Chai, C-H-I. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. They bonded over their lo- love of playing rock and then proceeded to recruit Detroit guitarist Rose Mazzola and drummer Matt Young. So it is primarily girls in the band, or at least the initial form formation of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but that ne- wasn't necessarily the plan, as far as I can tell. It just worked out that way. They did release their first self-titled album in April of 2000. By the end of the year, Kim had left. Uh, they went through kind of a number of band members. They did go on American tour dates with No Doubt and Garbage. And then another person left the band. They did. Brody actually ended up marrying Josh Holm from Queens of the Stone Age. Oh. And that was in, I think, 2005. And then by the end of 2005, early 2006, they kind of broke up. 
So they had three main albums, The Distillers, which was their self-titled album in 2000. They had Sing Sing Death House in 2002, and then Coral Fang in 2003. Their main singles are, that you might have heard of, um, The Young Craze Peeling, City of Angels. I would guess City of Angels being the most common one heard. Uh, Drain the Blood, The Hunger, Beat Your Heart Out. But after breaking up in 2006, they did reform in 2018. Oh. So in January, Daily shared a teaser video on the Distiller's official Instagram, um, basically saying, hey, we might be coming back. And it was later announced they would perform their first official show in over 13 years at the Casbah in California in 2018 of April. Um, They also have since come out with, they announced the release of a new single available on iTunes in April of 2019. And they had confirmed they had been recording their fourth album, a follow-up to Coral Fang. As far as I can tell, that album hasn't come out or it's supposed to be on an album called man versus magnet but i don't Hmm. i don't know if it's out yet it might be it says it was supposed to be released in 2018 uh so checking out their instagram page they are on tour or not on tour but they are actively doing shows they have a couple scheduled coming up most of them for 2023 as far as i can tell uh so they are going strong with their reunion and coming what back. What was the um, album name? Which one? The last one that they released. Oh, uh, Man vs. Magnet. Okay, so I'm on their Spotify. And their last album they released was Live in Lockdown in 2021. That I can only imagine is a live album <laughs> during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. um, and then they had a remaster of The Distillers. But I do not see... That one? That one, no. What about um uh, the last bl- one Blood and Gutters? The last one was Coral Fang in two thousand three. And so the two they had two songs singles after in twenty eighteen, Man vs. Magnet and Blood and Gutters, and it's leaked to that album, or at least that's what their Wikipedia page has. Mm-hmm. But that it's that is not a link that it's a true album. So it's interesting. kind of interesting. I think their page hasn't been updated in a while, which Maybe. surprises me because the Distillers was a very popular late 90s, early 2000s band. Oh, yikes. Confession time. I thought this was a made up band for a oh, very no. long time. I definitely don't recognize them, but I also don't think that this was the kind of music that I was listening to in 2003. I was a scene kid, but I also... <laughs> Um, never, not hardcore scene, I guess. You were guth. Yeah, I was, I was just guth. <laughs> City of Angels was the song that I knew, that I had definitely heard by them. I just looked up the lyrics again just to help me remember. One of the verses say, em- is, uh, Emptiness Never Sleeps at Clifton's 6 a.m. Clifton just reminds me of Jersey. <laughs> that is a Jersey town, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was the distillers. They broke up. Really kind of a couple years after this concert. Uh, I tried to see if they were actually on tour at this time, that it would uh, it would link up, but I, I couldn't quite get the connection to verify that they were. But yes, again, very popular band, very, especially for that time, and it fits Jess, the type of music mm-hmm. that they play. Yeah. To me, makes me feel like they fit, it fits Jess. 
I like that the the thought of Jess listening to female punk rock. Like, I just think that's really... Oh, yeah. Like, right? That's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. And one more side note, too. I think might might be why I've heard of them. They had multiple songs on Tony Hawk's underground games. Skater games. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, Beat Your Heart Out was on Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Uh, Seneca Falls, one of their songs was featured on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. They were also on Rock Band. Uh, they oh. were on game MTX Moto Tracks. The song Beat Your Heart Out and a cover of the Spider-Man theme song are featured in the Spider-Man game <laughs> adaptation of Spider-Man 2. Wow. Uh, literally thought these people were made up, so... <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Nope. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> Apparently they were also on uh one of a couple of their songs is also on a Daredevil ep- episode. Interesting. Which I'm assuming that's the Netflix Dare Yes, the Netflix Daredevil episode. Oh, right. Show. <laughs> I confused it with um what's the Ryan Reynolds one? Deadpool. Deadpool? Oh. And I was like there was a Deadpool? How show? dare you? I'm sorry. It's late and I'm tired. Very different things. <laughs> But yes, that was the distillers. And after that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. Yes, so it's a fine fashion episode. I don't have strong feelings either way. Nothing really jumped out at me, so I'm going to do kind of a, a quick run through of the episode, starting with the opening. We have Lorelai in this pink beaded cardigan over a black shirt. I feel like Lorelai wouldn't have something like this in her. This feels very elementary school teacher to me. And so to see it on Lorelai just felt kind of silly. Could you not imagine that like on an old bitty? Yeah, absolutely. It could totally be like a grandma cardigan. (laughs) So there's an episode of Call the Midwife where Trixie donates a sweater to, um, and it, it, I swear, it's the same sweater. Yeah. If it's not the same, it looks a lot like it. And again, that show's based in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would work well with a poodle skirt. That's the it kind would. of cardigan it is. Yes. At Friday night dinner, Lorelai is wearing kind of a flutter sleeve wrap blouse. It's kind of a purple floral. Rory has a long sleeve blue top with a brown skirt. Uh, neither of these are standout Friday night dinner outfits. Sometimes, like we've said, they dress like it's a black tie. Sometimes they show up in work clothes and school clothes. This is kind of a, in the middle. Um, then when we see them next in the town square, we have Lorelai in what is going to be kind of her outfit for the rest of the episode, which is a floral top with a camel blazer. She's got this really interesting kind of plaid pink and black coat over it. And then we have Rory in her green shearling jacket, which is definitely a different shearling green jacket than the last episode. Mm -hmm. Because this one, I love this jacket. It's a longer, it's got a longer... Mm -hmm. um, That's what I was saying. The seams were different. Yes. It's It's... because it's a different jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's got a light blue scarf, light gloves, um, a blue turtleneck underneath. I like this outfit on Rory. I think that this is a, a really nice... Um, just like day-to-day cold weather outfit. And I like this mm-hmm. color palette on her. Very soft, cool earth tones with like the blue, the green, 
um, very pretty. And it's so mm-hmm. interesting seeing her juxtaposed against Lorelai, because Lorelai obviously has these dark colors and the curled hair. Rory's back to straight hair. Um, yeah. I like this episode fashion for Rory because it's very simple. It's very yeah. quiet and soft. At the Gilmore Girls' house, when we see the band practicing, we see Lane's outfit, which I wanted to call out because if Lorelai's pink sweater is like, you know, a grandma or a school teacher, Lane is giving such extreme children's TV show host. Like, she could be on Zoom. She could be on Out of the <laughs> Box. Like, she looks like she could be leading a song alongside an animated character. So she's got a blue denim jacket over uh, either a t-shirt or a sweatshirt that has some kind of graphic on it. We're never quite shown what the graphic is. I feel like it's a cat. A cat or like a panda or something. Yeah. And then underneath she has a pink striped button up. Bunny? And just like the overall appearance. A bunny? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was, it's a you bunny. can see the ears. Oh, For like yes. half a second, you see the ear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then she's got a pink barrette. And for some reason, the whole look together to me screams could lead a group of children in song. Okay. I don't disagree. Here's my thing. I don't disagree either, but I'm going to I'm going to give you an alternative. This looks like an older person trying to look young. Yeah. Lane very often keeps Keiko? Keiko? I want to pronounce that correctly. Keiko? Keiko. Keiko very often looks 17. Yeah. Right? Here she doesn't. Yeah. Here she does look like she's almost 30. A little bit. I disagree. <laughs> and it's because of the outfit. I think it's more like it's Mrs. Kim laid out her outfit for her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, definitely. Like, character aside, I'm talking about, like, how the actress looks in this moment. She just looks a little old. I never thought that, but that's just me. Well, no. I like this outfit. It just, it just, every time I see it, I'm like, man, she could be on Blue's Clues. <laughs> I want to touch briefly on what we see uh, Emily wearing at the inn, because I think I love when Emily is kind of going about her day. I love when we see her in non-Friday night dinner outfits. She's got a camel turtleneck with this kind of gray, brown, black uh, cardigan over it. And then when she gets home from her errands, she has this great, maybe like a wool kind of pinstripe light gray coat. It's beautiful. But Emily does a lot of really great acting in this episode, and I just really love this outfit on her too. It's polished without being too much. Mm-hmm. Very tasteful. And then the 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 big event is, of course, the hockey game. And this is where I think it's really funny because Rory shows up in the other team's colors. Like, this is how not a sports person Rory is. Everybody in town has been dressed in red. All of the dozies have been in red. Lane is in red. She's got this kind of, like, festive winter sweater on. And then Rory rolls into their section dressed in blue, which is the opposite team's colors. This is, like, uh, a long-term thing for her, because she does the same thing at the Yale-Harvard game. Yeah. Yeah. She's just so... Oblivious that she doesn't doesn't even think about it. And I also do want to shout out Patty and Babette, who I have in my notes wore supportive red accessories. 
I think Babette's got like a big boa or a scarf and Patty, of course, has a big, beautiful wrap on. But they are rooting for the home team as they should be. The last little shout out I want to give is Emily's outfit during her big blurting moment, which is a really beautiful blue skirt suit with crisp white trim and pearls. She just looks so pretty in this. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love this on her. And I think I mentioned last week, all of our bitter biddies are in their best black and white. I have to assume they're all widows, but that's just the vibe. And I don't have a best dressed or a worst dress this episode. I just thought everything was pretty good. I like when Kenny Ortega's around. I feel like he's got a little special something that makes every episode he's in kind of good. I agree. Yeah. Did I miss anything? Not that I can think of. What was Suki wearing? Was she just wearing like her chef? I think it was just chef. Chef Suki. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was some kind of jacket. It, I remember it being blue. Hmm. Or had blue in it. And a bandana. A bandana. Yes, like no, red yeah, and yeah, blue, kind of like floral chef coat situation. Peppers? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Either way. Yeah, lots of lots of good looks. Uh, Rory's hair is back to straight. She's given up on the curling thing for, for this episode. Um, but yeah, that was fashion. And after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. La la. Right off the bat, thank you all again for bearing with us as we do our massive recording push. You won't be hearing this until January, but we're recording in October. Uh, And I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been responding as we've put up these calls for thoughts on episodes. So the first comment we have is from a previous episode, the Thanksgiving episode, And it was from Megan of Paradise who said, I'm behind, but this is one of my all-time favorite episodes. My husband and I watch this one every year while we make our homemade pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. I love that. That feels so cozy. That sounds like like an amazing tradition. We have not had Thanksgiving yet as we're recording. And I'm like, oh, maybe I could put this on the background. I might do this. It's (laughs) one of my favorite episodes too. So thank you, Megan of Paradise. And we had also put out a, you know, call for thoughts on the episode that we discussed last week and today. And Talking Fast Podcast had said, it makes me so sad to see her, Rory, and Jess combusting. And that is really hard, like, to know that this is, it's kind of on its way out. This is a lot of people's favorite relationship, and it's really short-lived in the long scheme run so thank you the i very strongly feel and i could be completely wrong but the build-up to jess and rory is twice as long as the actual jess and rory relationship yeah it definitely feels that way yeah because it was basically all of season two and now yeah we're already on the way out it reminds me we're not even um, we're like halfway the taylor swift song which sandra you might know but it's got the lyric about like, when wanting was enough, for me it was enough. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. there was a long period where, like, that wanting was, like, that was so good. And that was all we needed. And now that we actually have Jess, the cracks are kind of showing. Yeah. So it's funny that you mention that Jess is most people's favorite boyfriend. Because Ashley disagrees. 
Um, so we did get a message from Ash who says, so now rewatching the series all the way through for the first time in a while, I remember why I'm officially Team Logan. Apparently, I have some strong unpopular opinions, so I'm, I'm excited for this. <laughs> I'm a little ahead now, so I've seen the Jess Rory relationship play out, and I kept waiting for it to get good. This was the first episode, as in this episode, Face Off, of the two of them together that I thought, oh wait, he kind of sucks. And then it just kept going. I think both of them are great characters individually, and their chemistry is definitely off the charts, both in friendship and romantically, but Jess, and all caps, sucks as a boyfriend. <laughs> Some of it is immaturity, but most of it is probably never having to be accountable to anyone before, so it's an unfamiliar muscle to flex, flex for him. I understand that, but that doesn't make up for, for treating someone poorly, in my opinion. Especially because later down the line, it's not like he really learns from the hurt he caused and changed his ways. Ooh, I don't agree with that one. I do think that he much later his on. Ways. I yeah, think he definitely changed yeah. his ways. He says at least it's not until much later. So we still have okay, yeah, three seasons before oh, we yeah, really start to see Jess like get his life back together. So mm-hmm. I mean. Honestly, I feel like we don't get, like, real Jess has got his life together until post-seven, you know? Like, I would definitely give him credit I, for I the bookstore and when he's published yeah, the okay. book. Yeah, yeah. Well, the publishing. Yeah. But, no, I definitely, um, I see where you're coming from, Ash. I definitely think that Jess does kind of suck in this episode. I mean, unfortunate. They are young, mm-hmm. so there is that. But... I mean, I'm curious to get to Logan, and I definitely want to hear your response, Ash, when we do get to Logan, and hear your defense of the <laughs> the blonde boy. <laughs> now, I think I've said it before, but I, w- I will reiterate, I am also Team Logan. I, I'm, like, strong Team Jess as well. They're pretty close, but I was also a, a Logan fan as well. So, you're not alone, Ash. I feel like this this is going to sway me. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Our final message, though, today is from Lisa. She says, the unraveling in Jess and Rory in a sad face. As an adult, it's so much sadder watching him shut down. Comes off as as self-sabotage after a rough life. That said, I do like that Rory couldn't just magically change by changed Jess by liking him enough. He needed more help than that. Very true. Lorelai had some good mom and daughter moments in this episode, as she doesn't immediately jump on Jess to Rory, but also encourages Rory to not wait around for him. However, while it's a bit too early for Rory and Jess, she still ends up missing the it's okay to break up with someone talk. Oh, that's a good point, actually. We haven't really talked about that with Jess in particular. We've Mm -hmm. talked about it with Dean. But this might be a moment where Rory should have used that gotten that advice of hey if you're not okay in this relationship don't be in it Mm -hmm. yeah i'm wondering if it's still really early for that yeah it is it is a little bit too early because we had the we had the dinner which was obviously a disaster because he wouldn't commute well we discussed it yeah but the episode ends with them resolving it and then this is Mm -hmm. the next episode and it's it's entirely that he hasn't called so yeah and we didn't talk about that um, how we went from she's ready to do it to, like, he doesn't even call her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't disagree that Lorelai definitely needs to have this conversation with her at some point. She doesn't. Um, I, I think it might be a little early in the Jess relationship for what we've seen. This, to me, is a why don't you talk to Jess 
explain how you're feeling and figure out why why there's a disconnect. In a TV show, two characters talking to each other right? to solve a problem. Yeah. How, how dare <laughs> I? so young. Yeah. They're not Jake and Amy. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> oh. And Eddie, she does finish it off and she says, And while Rory was clearly jealous of Lindsay in that moment, I respect that she tried to get it de- to tried to get it together for Dean and act happy for him, even if awkward. Now, if only she had actually had it out with Jess and not a deleted answering machine message. I'm not convinced it was deleted and not listened to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but agreed. <laughs> you, guys, guys, imagine Luke's face. Like, Luke I gets love home, that. he sees a message, he puts it on, and it's Roy yelling, and then it ends with, this message was for Jess, by the way. <laughs> and, I mean, we can assume Luke's doesn't stay open super late. What mm-hmm. if it's already closed and he's upstairs and listens to this message that just coming? He probably did. <laughs> he might have still been closing like, up in the diner, but he might have been up upstairs just getting ready for bed. Well, we're closing the episode with coffee, as always. We do get one scene of Rory drinking coffee again. Um, Finally. When she goes to Luke's. And Lorelai was at Luke's twice. Uh, Rory was at Luke's as well, but, you know, she was with Jess. Distracted. So we do get Lorelai drinking coffee twice and Rory drinking coffee once for the first time in a couple episodes. We finally get a Rory, Jess, and Luke's flirting moment while they, while the girls go there to mm-hmm. eat. We haven't had one of those in a very long time. We thought there were going to be so many more and we were wrong. Absolutely. I thought we knew this show. Um, is it the Mandela effect? Like, what's going on? Like, why Why are we so convinced that Rory and Jess had so many cuter moments together? I feel like is there's a lot like... of headcanon. <laughs> I, I don't think it's Clouding. Mandela effect. A lot effect. of fan fiction. I, I don't think it's Mandela effect because there's not, like, anything that I feel like I remembered happening that doesn't or vice versa. I think it's just Jess has been built up in a lot of people's heads, ours included, of being this really great, this really great boyfriend, and really, it's it's how he turns his life around, mm-hmm. and where he ends up versus teenage Jess that that gives. I feel like it gives a lot of people that team Jess love. Yeah. Also, Milo. Yeah. Well, right. He's just very right. good looking. Yeah. It's, it's Milo. It's Milo. Yeah. Easy to forget. Unfortunately, he couldn't save Dirty Deeds because God, that was an awful movie. <laughs> it was no Moose but- Murders, though. <laughs> Um, we barely knew you but that was this episode as always i was sandra and i was emily and i was jess and we'll see you next week bye 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 thank you so much for listening this is town meeting a gilmore girls rewatch podcast with sandra jess and emily you can follow us on instagram at town meeting pod send us an email at townmeetingpod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. You can also support us by subscribing to us on Spotify or buying us a cup of coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting.